Well, we are cruising right through our of our simple Christmas series. Because uh, I think that, honestly, if we let it, Christmas can get complex. It can get, it can get busy. It, it can get all convoluted and become things it never meant to be. So as I was getting ready for our, what we were going to deal with as a church on Christmas, I'd had a bunch of different things. And, and we've got lots of Christmases ahead of us, so we'll probably cover some of those. But this year, I just kept coming back to this concept of simple Christmas. So if you have your, your, um, version app open, you can follow in your online notes, or if you've got a good old, old school bulletin, you can just go ahead and we'll fill in these blanks. Um, cause see, Christmas is simply about God giving to us. That is what we're celebrating. That God gave his son. How amazing is it that this, that's this whole season of giving is in celebration of the greatest gift ever given. And we have to make sure that Jesus stays in the middle of it. That's what we talked about last week is that Christmas is simply about Jesus. We take Jesus out of the picture. It's not Christmas anymore. It may be the winter holiday. It may be something like else, but it's not Christmas. It's, you take Jesus out of it and it becomes something else. But this week we want to talk about the celebrating Christmas. It's simply about sharing the love and blessings that God has given us. That's why we cheerfully, maybe at no other time in the year, do we think about these people and give gifts. Some of you are gift givers like crazy. Some of you, that's your love language. You love to go and buy stuff for people and do little things for them. And then there's the rest of us um, who don't do that. And my wife is one of those. That's her natural love language. And it used to kind of drive me up the wall a little bit. That she would want to buy stuff for her friends. They would have a bad day. And her answer is, well, let me get these. And that was always reasonable stuff. Those little like $7 bouquet of flowers. And, you know, at H-E-B. And then you grab a little card with it. I'm like, hey, babe, you know, there's you don't need to spend our money on that. You know, when we were first married, money was extra tight. And uh, I was like, you know, they, they can use my love language. I have words of encouragement and touch closeness. Say, hey, you're pretty awesome. I'm for you. Let me give you a hug. They're going to be good. That's all I need. And so, you know, keep our resources to pay the light bill, woman. And, uh, and so, but she was a natural gift giver. And I began to realize that. I began to see that, hey, this is something I need to allow. She's being loving. I want who doesn't want their wife to be loving? So encourage that. And, uh, but the rest of us at this time of the year, this is when all of a sudden our gift giving becomes at the forefront. And we begin to think about other people and think what would they want and what would they, what would they like and what's, what's, what's their life about. And isn't that amazing? At this time of the year, we begin to get in other people's heads that we care about. Think about what are their interests? What would be really special? And we buy things we would never buy ever for ourselves because we don't care about them. But these other people do, and we put our resources to it. We do that because we're, we're excited about sharing the love and blessings that God's brought into our lives. And that's what it has to be about. If the gift giving becomes something other than that, man, it's not what it's supposed to be anymore. It's not. It gets messed up. 
And then at this time of the year, as we're celebrating this deal of sharing our, our, our love and sharing the blessings that God has given, there's certain things that are just real Christmassy. I mean, obviously, you know, there's the music. Uh, my daughter, Brooklyn, she loves Michael Buble. She has, like, all his albums, but especially that Christmas album. And uh, plays that Christmas stuff all the time. My little uh, Preslin, she's here with us today. Baby, let's show up. Totally missing over that. Get up here, sweetheart. This is our new, this is my Christmas present right here. <laughs> you don't have to be pregnant anymore. And so this is Preslin Whitley Clark. And she's got her little little stuff on for her holidays here, a little Christmas on. Ooh, look at all those people. Oh, you're closing your eyes. All right. We'll wrap her back up. That's right. Thank you all of y'all for praying for us. It was an incredible, she had an incredible delivery. I was going to say we hadn't. I, um, I actually slept for part of it. So, and so, uh, and uh, hey, 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 it was, I slept through the right part. And uh, anyways, but there's certain things that are just real Christmassy. The, this, the music, the different things. And then there's certain things that try to be. They want to be connected with it and they just don't quite go. We were at the grocery store, and I like coffee, and I drink a lot of coffee. And so I saw that there was this coffee called Christmas in a Cup. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What does it mean? Is it going to taste like gingerbread? Is it going to taste like a Christmas tree? I don't know what it's going to taste like. So I bought just a little bit of it. I was excited and got my little French press out to make me some coffee. And May got me the hot water and poured my Christmas in a Cup in there. And guess what? It was completely Christmassy. If you're familiar with the movie Elf. Some of you will get it. He takes her on the date, puts the blindfold on. She tastes it. It's just a cruddy cup of coffee. That was it. It was just a cruddy cup of coffee. It was said. I didn't even get to finish it. I don't know what was supposed to be Christmassy about Christmas in the cup, but it just did not hit the mark. But other things are in this time of the year of, of, of giving and being with family and all of those different things and sharing. That is what this time is about. And there's another thing that is particularly feels Christmassy and we'll miss it. But somehow Hollywood doesn't. But sometimes we can miss it. And we ought to be the ones that sense it like crazy. But the story and this truth of redemption is so connected with Christmas. Think about it. My three favorite Christmas movies are all redemption stories, all of them. Go back and you have the, the play, the, the, the book Scrooge, you know. And you've got all of that. And Mr. Scrooge goes through this place where he's this old, mean miser. And his whole story is the story of redemption and being brought back to a place of loving and caring and being what he was created to be. My real favorite Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life, good old George Bailey. I love that, love that movie. And that guy, he's not an old, wealthy, miser guy who's, who's let life kind of make him cold and indifferent. Here's this guy who has sacrificed. Here's this guy who's given. Here's this guy who's honestly lived his life for other people, and it seems like the world's taking advantage of him. 
His dreams have got gone down the, the toilet. He's living a life he never expected to live, finds himself in a bind and looks at his life and sees that maybe life would be better if he wasn't alive or maybe if he had never been born. And he gets this incredible glimpse to look at what life would have been like. And that little community where he was living, maybe he didn't change the whole world, but he changed that community. And he had this story of redemption. And then he even, going back to my childhood, the good old story of the Grinch. How the Grinch stole Christmas is a redemption story. Poor guy, his heart was two sizes too small. He hated Christmas, hated the whole Christmas season. No one knew the reason. I'm not going to quote the whole thing for you. And so, and we go through and he has all of these different things and he finds out that it's not about the decorations and it's not about all these different things and his heart grows three sizes and he has this redemptive moment. Here's this guy that wasn't a success gone awry or this guy who tried to do the right thing and got lost in the mix and lost himself, lost the picture. Here's this guy who's an outsider who looks different and is shunned and society's pushed him out and because he doesn't feel love, he doesn't understand love until all of a sudden finally he begins to receive some from a little girl. There can be all sorts of reasons. There's no cookie-cutter picture of what makes somebody in a place of a need of redemption, but all of us have our own redemption stories. Over and over again, all our favorite Christmas tales come back to that story of redemption. The greatest story ever told. The biggest redemptive story ever begins with this season in a manger and ends on a cross. And it's our redemption story. I think it only makes sense then since redemption and Christmas, redemption is Christmassy. It is. Hollywood knows it. It's Christmassy. That our personal redemption stories very easily fit with our holiday festive with us sharing and that's what i want us to talk about that christmas is simply about sharing see luke 2 17 through 18 it says when they had seen him they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Here's these groups of, of unlearned, more than likely, guys working a blue-collar job out in the field. The angels show up to them, not to the high and mighty, not to the educated, not to the powerful, but to these guys being faithful, working the late shift, taking care of their family, shows up to them. And they didn't understand the big picture. They didn't understand all of it. But they were so excited, they shared what they knew. That is what I want to encourage. That Christmas, let's just share what we know. 
Let's just share what we know that God has done in our lives. Matthew 2, 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him and then they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold and gifts of incense and of myrrh. Obviously, the giving of gifts is completely connected. We see it. This is, we give because we can't come back to the little manger scene and do that to baby Jesus. And we understand that the body of Christ is you and I, and it's a natural, wonderful, beautiful expression for us to give to each other. What a beautiful thing God gave to us. It's a beautiful thing to do that. But let's remember that that's not all that was given on that day. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. He gave us Jesus and then he kept giving. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world, redeeming Taking this jacked up, messed up story, whether you're the successful guy or the guy getting it done or the loner away from everybody. He's redeeming all of us. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. And we're going to pick up the next part of 19 in just a little bit. But part of this redemption story we have to understand is that not only, not only has our, has our freedom been purchased, not only has Christ come to not count men's sins against them, the cycle that we were trapped in is broken as well. And I think at this holiday season, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. That a lot of your friends and family, you talk about, you talk to them about Jesus, and they're like, yeah, I get that. I understand that. He's forgiven me. But their daily, day-to-day life, maybe your day-to-day life, is stuck in this cycle just as if we were never set free. One of the best stories I know that communicate this is the story of the old circus bear. And this circus bear had the, back in the old school where they all went around, had the, the, the mobile cages and he had his cage. When they first got him, he was ferocious. Scary bear. That's what everybody wants to see when they go to the circus. They don't want to see a teddy bear. They want to see the mean, ferocious bear. And he's behind the cage. And he's just, oh, I'm so glad he's cooped up in there. And man, he, he, would, he would growl and he would do all this stuff. And, but eventually, he was, just lived in a cage. He wasn't upset about being in, out of the woods anymore. He's just living in a cage. And he quits growling. So, the circus owners, he's not much of an attraction anymore. It's like going to the zoo. Don't you hate going to the zoo and look, go to the lions and they're always asleep in the corner where you can't hardly see them but their tail. Why do the lions do that? It's like they know. They're coming to see me and I'm cooped up. I ain't going to give them nothing. I'm going to stick my paw out so they know I'm actually in here. And then they're going to wish they could see me. That's my little bit of control. I'm, I'm convinced the lions do that. But nobody wants that. It's disappointing. Hey, kid, look, there's a lion paw. Nobody wants that. So the circus owner, he doesn't want that for his bear. So he would taunt the bear. He'd poke the bear. 
They'd stab the bear. And they would sit there and, 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 and put cuts under its fur so it would be aggravated, so it would growl and do all of these different things. That worked for a little while. It's a good attraction again. He's a wounded bear. Sure, he's going to lash out. But then pretty soon, he gets numb to that. So then they try things. At one point, though, somebody even fed this, this bear uh, glass in mixed up with ground meat, sitting there and trying to, to <clears throat> take out the bear. The bear somehow survives this. The bear just lives this horrible, cage, tortured life. And finally, to cope, it gets in this cycle of walking in its cage, and it could walk three steps forward and turn around and walk three steps back. They would walk three steps forward again, turn around and walk three steps back, and pretty soon all they had was a pacing bear in a cage. And they'd just keep its head down, and he would just pace. There was nothing they could do. They couldn't poke it, couldn't cut it, couldn't do anything. He was numb to their taunts. He was useless at that point to them. Useless. So they were just going to put it, just kill him. They were just going to put him out. And a compassionate person said, please let me buy the bear. He's lived his whole life for you. Let's, let, let me buy him and we'll set him free. So this guy pays the circus owner the, the money, gets his cage, takes him out. This bear's been, been cooped up. He's known for his past fierceness. They open up the end of the cage. They're all hiding. Bear walks out, gets to the end of the cage, and no bars. No bars. Hmm. Walks out. Gets out. He's in the woods where he's supposed to be. He's free. He's free. There's nothing holding him there anymore. No tormentors. No any of that. And he looks around the woods. And he drops his head. And he walks three steps forward and three steps back. And three steps forward and three steps back in the middle of a big, wide, open woods. Just stuck. Free as could be but stuck in his head. They watched him for over an hour and didn't do anything. Finally, they decided the most compassionate thing to do other than let him starve there or be attacked by something else was to just take him out. They take him out. The story of Christmas, the story of Jesus is bigger, folks. How awesome is it that we've been set free? But we've been set free in every area. Jesus came to forgive us our sins and he's not counting them against us. But in that, we've also set us free from the destructive patterns and all of the different stuff. The pain, the abuse, all of the different stuff that life is doing. We're free from that. We're free from that. And the Holy Spirit has to come in and help us to live free. Some of you in here today, that would be the greatest Christmas gift you ever got in your life was to understand how free you are in Christ. To get out of the patterns, to get out of the destruction, to get out of understanding and living your life from a place of being wounded and abused and caged up. People, you're that free. The people that you love, people that, that are in your life, they can be that free in Christ. I'm praying and have been praying for some divine conversations. That God would open up during this holiday season. You don't got to force the door open. You don't have to kick it in. I'm just asking you to be courageous enough that if somebody brings it up, 
Somebody opens the door. The Holy Spirit prompts you to just roll with it. Just let the conversation happen. Just let them know what God's done in your life. Luke 2 wasn't the only, the, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, the gifts weren't the only things shared. Gifts are great. But Luke 2, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared and the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. There's peace and there's favor available to us. That needs to be passed on as well. See, even if you've just received the truth of God's grace, maybe you're brand new to this. Maybe today. Maybe today is when you're, it becomes awake to you. As soon as you embrace it, it's yours. It's yours to pass on. There's no waiting period. God didn't say, okay, you made a decision for me, but we're going to just kind of keep your mouth shut about it for a couple of years, and we're going to see if you actually kind of do change your life a little bit. and We're going to see if you can actually speak for me. You know, you've been pretty jacked up. I'd, I'd hate for you to kind of immediately begin to talk. No, 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 no. We immediately begin to share. We immediately begin. We get saved and we're put into work immediately. It doesn't matter what your yesterday was. That Guess what? It was yesterday. It was yesterday. I love this story. There's no waiting period. John 4, 25. Jesus is meet, t- meets the Samaritan woman at the well. The Samaritan woman. She's a woman in a man's society. I mean, I tell you what. Women were just not treated well then. And a Samaritan woman, in the Jews' eyes, they were dogs. They were dogs. It was a bigoted world, and it was messed up. In the Jews' eyes, this woman was, was just low down. She goes at the wrong time of the day because even her own society won't accept her because she's had so many husbands, and she's just a woman with not a very good reputation. So she goes to get water at the wrong time of the day. So that she doesn't run into all of the women, Samaritan women who are going to shun her and cut their eyes at her and treat her like crud. And she runs in at the wrong time of the day, been the best right time of her life, she runs into Jesus. She's having this conversation with Jesus and we jump in in verse 25. It says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and they were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked him, what do you want or why are you talking to her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. If she had thought about it too long, she'd have gone, seriously, the people are going to take me serious? I say, come see a man? Earlier in the conversation, Jesus brings up the fact that she's been married five times, number six, she's living with. And she's going to bring up one more man to everybody. That seems like all she's ever talking about is a new man. And she's going to bring up one more man. Yep. Man number seven. Perfect man. 
came and she went and she told him about the man. Not only was she telling him, was she willing to do that, she was willing to dare to say that with everybody else on the scene who is looking for Messiah, that she found him. All these other religious people with all their knowledge and all that, her impact, her conversation with Jesus was so impactful, she dared to say, I think he could be it. I think he could be Messiah. People could have said, seriously, you're going to know who it is? You? She just, she didn't care about the possibilities. And guess what? People listened. And they followed her. We jump down to verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. The most unlikely lady, likely person at the time, they believed because she dared to open her mouth and share. How amazing. How amazing. She says, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. That played a huge role. But now we've heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. For unto you is born a Savior. We really do know who the Savior of the world is. And we don't have to say that we know the Bible front to back. All we have to do is do what this lady did and share what she did know. This guy met me where I was. He didn't look down on me or talk down to me. He understood me better than anybody. And he cared for me. Just share. Share what you know. See, it's up to us. To simply share this gift of grace. 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says we loved you so much. We loved you so much. This is a sign of how much believers care about somebody. We loved you so much. That we were delighted to share with you. Not only the gospel of God. That Christ has come. That our sins aren't being counted against us anymore. That our lives can be completely transformed. That grace is enough and counteracts everything, the gospel. But our lives as well, because you had become so, so dear to us. Let's pick up 2 Corinthians five nineteen, where we left off. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know what's the unique thing about a message? A message has to be delivered. It's not a message if it's not delivered. You can have a note for yourself. You know, a little reminder. You can have all sorts of things that are written, but a message has to be delivered. I mean, I've had tons of times where I thought I hit send on my text. That text message did not exist. It was a simply text on my phone. I missed. And what I thought was communicated had not been communicated. It's not a message until it's sent. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, you and I. The normal, broken, messed up people that Jesus came 
to fix. We are the ambassadors. For your world and your area of influence, there's no one better qualified than you. There's just not. You've been picked. We are Christ ambassadors. As God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God has reconciled the world to himself. All we have to do is say, that's awesome. I'll take it. You want me? That's amazing. I I want you too. You'll have me? God, I'll I'll have you too. You love me? Oh, wow. God, I... I love you too. Be reconciled to God. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, Matthew 28. Wherever you go, I love that. Wherever you go. Some of you will be traveling. Some of you going to be staying here. Some of you will be going to Christmas parties during this season. There's a lot of going at the holiday times. Wherever you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to do everything I've commanded you. And remember that I am always with you until the very end. Our challenge, I believe, is... To let our sharing go to a deeper place this holiday as you keep Christmas simply about Jesus. I'm not saying we have to be wild-eyed, crazy, Bible-thumping evangelist people. I'm saying we have to be honestly who we are. If God's done something in your life, be willing to talk about it. If If there's things that are still in process, it's okay. You don't have to say you're a shining example of that. Other than that, you're a shining example that God will take anybody. (laughs) That's me. I'm a shining example that God will take anybody. That's what Christmas simply is about. We're going to give a lot of good gifts this year. We're going to get a lot of good gifts. That's just the way Christmas rolls. Let's make sure that the knowledge of what God's done in our life is something we pass on to somebody. And with that, I want to create a moment. I said earlier, you know, that maybe today's it. Today you embrace the truth of grace, and in just a couple of minutes it'll be yours, and you can pass it on. You can share it with whoever you want. No waiting period. But right now, let's take care of that. I'd appreciate if everybody would help us create a quiet moment.